0: Hey, Pop Punk Posse. Welcome back to Episode 10 of the Pop Punk Project. I'm Mike, joined by Keenan.
1: Wow, that was pretty sexy. I didn't realize you were going to do it that sexy. I tried. That was impressive. Hey guys, I'm Keenan. On Episode 10 of the Pop Punk Project, we will be discussing Good Charlotte's The Young and the Hopeless, one of our
0: favorite albums from middle school. Yeah, I think probably the main reason why we decided to start this podcast, actually.
1: The first time we recorded, we actually recorded this album, and we decided to scrap it because it was garbage, but we always <laughs> knew we wanted to come back to it, and it was going to be a highlight of ours, so pretty pumped for it, Mike. Me too. This episode is also going to be exciting because we're going to be joined a little bit later by a very special guest of ours, Tom Mackle. Whoa! Yeah, pretty big. A member of the Gummy Bear Warriors in 6th through 8th grade, and also professional musician today so he uh, graciously decided to join us and he's gonna discuss this with us we're pretty pumped about that as well
0: this is our first big get we are flabbergasted starstruck
1: he took time out of his busy schedule to jump in with us pretty awesome can't wait no more hesitating Mike let's go ahead and stage dive in was that sexy that was This album was the second studio album by Good Charlotte, released on October 1st, 2002. The band members at the time were Joel and Benji Madden, twin brothers. Joel's the lead singer. Benji is lead guitarist and sings backup vocals. Billy Martin is rhythm guitarist. Paul Thomas is the bassist. And at the time, Chris Wilson was the drummer.
0: Good Charlotte is from Waldorf, Maryland, the D.C., Baltimore area. They released their first album through Epic and Daylight Records back in 2000. It was their self-titled debut. It didn't sell as well as the group and the labels were hoping it would, so for this reason they were almost dropped from their record label. There was minor success for their single Little Things, and that coupled with touring on the Warp Tour and also alongside Blink-182 in 2001 helped increase their popularity. I did forget that
1: they toured alongside Blink-182. So even though they had this small following and not a ton of success from their first record, they still were touring with some big names.
0: Can we file this under without Mark Hoppus and Blink? Good Charlotte (laughs) may have ceased to exist.
1: Yeah. Well, let's just say it's another Mark Hoppus find. Totally good with that.
0: That is so weird that your label wants to drop you and you're still touring alongside one of the biggest bands in the world. It seems like that doesn't pair together correctly.
1: Well, I guess it just shows how having good management and having good agents can propel you when you have the right people who are setting strategy for you. I do remember at that time, Mike, they rotated through a series of drummers. They had maybe three or four that they kind of burned through. They couldn't hold a drummer down. But they eventually landed this guy, Chris Wilson, right before they released Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous in September, which was their first
0: single, I believe. It was. And yeah, I remember all of the press releases and posters at this time, it just had Joel, Benji, Billy, and Paul on them. And I was actually looking at my CD earlier today. The insert for the CD just had the four of them on it. So I guess Chris Wilson ended up being their drummer for a time, but yeah, it was kind of in flux during the recording and release of this album?
1: Well, during the recording itself, they had this session drummer. His name was Josh Freese. He was the drummer of the Vandals, who came in and actually recorded all the drums for the album. At the time, they were also working with this guy, Eric Valentine, who was known across the pop punk community as this legendary producer. He had worked with artists like Taking Back Sunday, Queens of the Stone Age, Third Eye Blind, Smash Mouth, the All-American Rejects. I don't know if they were all before Good Charlotte, but through his career, that's who he had worked with. So he was very well known in the industry, and he noticed Good Charlotte and decided that they were going to be a good band to work with. He realized they had a ton of potential. He felt like a lot of their writing was, quote unquote, a little bit deeper than some of their contemporaries. So he joined them. He was the producer for this record.
0: Nice. That's a great group of bands to be involved with. In support of this album, Good Charlotte went out on tour, opening for No Doubt. Again, a pretty huge band at the time to be opening for. Another big name. Yeah. After this opening gig, they embarked on a tour of their own across the U.S. and then subsequent shows all around the world, followed up by a co-headlining spot on the Honda Civic Tour, along with our friends Newfound Glory. That's right. So this album was
1: very popular at the time. and was spread pretty widely across the ranks of pop-punk fans. But I have to imagine that they were also able to get their name out there just by being on these big-time tours and associating themselves with these big-time names.
0: With shows like Blink, No Doubt, Newfound Glory, those are three very dedicated fan bases that show up early, stay through the entire set. So you're catching these opening bands one of which at the time is just, it happens to be Good Charlotte. So I'm sure that helped propel them into a wider audience.
1: Yeah. And not to mention their stint on the warp Tour, which is, as we know, pop punk paradise. The album itself received mixed reviews by critics. You know what? I think at this point, all of the pop punk bands from that time, they always received mixed reviews. Good Charlotte is no stranger to that. And I think it was mostly because of their cliched lyrics in the eyes of the critics
0: yeah i've learned over time reviews are maybe a nice outline to kind of get an an idea of whether or not you might like an album but you should always do your own research you know do your own homework figure out for yourself if if rolling stone gives something one star it doesn't mean you're not going to like it exactly
1: and just to drive that point home mike it was a major commercial success probably one of the most successful pop punk albums of that time. It was certified three times platinum by the RIAA. The only album that we've discussed so far that may have been more popular than that, I think was probably Dookie by Green Day, right?
0: Right, which also, I mean, I don't think another album's ever gonna reach the sales that Dookie had.
1: No, there's no
0: way. Still, three million copies sold is something you really should be proud of.
1: Proud of those guys, Mike. <laughs> they boys. Three of the album singles, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, the Anthem, and Girls and Boys also crossed over from the modern rock radio to pop radio. So these guys transcended the different genres, and I think we noticed that. It wasn't just popular amongst our inner circle and our friends, but everybody in middle school knew these guys and knew their songs. I mean, it was all over pop radio.
0: Yeah, it was on Y100 and Q102. So there you go. Exactly.
1: And then... On top of that, outside of the U.S., it also was very successful. It topped the charts across New Zealand, Sweden, Australia, the U.K., Austria, pretty much all over. It
0: went platinum in New Zealand selling 10 copies. (laughs) Whoa, is that a dig at New Zealand? I just think we have more people in this country than New Zealand. For now, yeah, that's true. Just kidding, we love the Kiwi. Play of the Concords is great.
1: And then on top of that... As we know, as we saw at the time, it received tons of awards. It won Alternative and Rock Awards at the different award shows. And I believe they also performed at shows like the VMAs and the, I don't know, what are the other MTV award shows they have? I think they performed at a few of those.
0: Yeah, probably Kids' Choice Awards on Nickelodeon. They were everywhere, honestly. They were everywhere. They were. They were humongous. They were on MTV constantly. I think they had their own shows or they were... On TRL all the time, I'm not sure, but...
1: Yep, absolutely. They were. I remember
0: them being all over the place. You couldn't avoid them, which was great for Good Charlotte fans.
1: October 2002, Mike. What in the world
0: is going on here? Keenan, we're going to start off with some lighthearted news. Oh, I don't like the way you said that. I'm just kidding. It's actually a pretty scary time. This is geographically relevant to our buddies, Good Charlotte from Waldorf, Maryland. Do you remember the D.C. snipers?
1: I do. Yeah, that was a very scary time. You're not kidding.
0: Turns out it was his uncle and his nephew, I believe. And they actually started their killing spree in February of 2002. But October 2nd is when they really started targeting just random areas in D.C. They would just shoot people in their cars. And it lasted for three weeks before they were finally arrested. But I remember the news every single night during that three-week period. Nine Eleven was still really fresh in people's heads. There was a lot of confusion as to what was actually happening. Yeah. I don't really think there was a rhyme or a reason behind who was being gunned down. So that made people panic as well. There was no recognizable motive.
1: I think what was really scary about it, too, was you had Nine Eleven again a year before that, right? And it was this big horrible event and it happened. And then obviously the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, we kind of brought the war overseas and it felt like for a time it was back on our land. It wasn't just this one big event and it lasted a couple days. It was prolonged. So you would watch the news and wait to see if there was another killing in DC. I totally remember that. It was really scary. And you weren't sure if it was going to go beyond DC. We weren't sure if there's going to be anything more local to us in the Philadelphia area. It was
0: really weird. It was it was this eerie feeling. Right. People driving on the highway or stopped on the highway were just being shot. It was insane.
1: And at gas stations. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that. At
0: convenience stores. By the time the two of them were caught, they had killed 17 people and wounded 10 others. So pretty destructive spree. A lot of tragedy. Pretty insane time. Just a day after this album came out. Yeah, Jesus, dude. That kind of sucks for good Charlotte because I'm sure all the local papers were just all hands on deck covering this sniper story.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I hate to keep it dark, but I do remember this headline. Actually, I don't know if I remember this headline or if I remember learning about it later, but I definitely saw a documentary on it a few years ago. On October 23rd, Chechen gunmen seized a Moscow theater and held at least 500 people hostage. And it ended with, three days later, Russian anti-terrorist forces ended up storming the theater. And as they did that, they also pumped poisonous gas in and they ended up killing like 40 or 50 of these hostage takers, which by the way, is an insane amount. But they also killed like 120 or 130 of the hostages. So I remember it going down in history as like this botched rescue attempt, but they were desperate, and this was basically their only option. And so, yeah, I remember seeing a very interesting documentary on it, and it was all about these Chechen resistance fighters and how Russia handled that with um, not a ton of tact.
0: Yeah. You can't kill those hostages. We want to kill those hostages. <laughs> oh, God. That is crazy. I would like to check out that documentary. It kind of reminds me of, um, did you watch the show Waco? Yeah, a little while
1: ago, I did see Waco.
0: So it's on Netflix now for anybody that wants to check it out, but that does a pretty good job of looking at how the FBI probably mishandled that situation as well. They considered the people that were there, there against their will. It was more of a cult situation, but it does a really good job depicting how how that all went down. And it, it was not good.
1: Time to lighten it up a little bit, Mike. On October 26th, American singer, songwriter, and TV personality, Jessica Simpson. One of your favorites, Mike.
0: I love Jay Simp.
1: Weds, singer, songwriter, Nick Lachey. Another one of your favorites.
0: I love Nick Lachey.
1: And as we remember, we know them from their TV show, their reality TV show, Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica.
0: That's right. That's my wife. uh, My wife. Another (laughs) Borat probably. (laughs) Great movie of the times. Um, she loved Jessica Simpson. She loved that show. It was a great show, but I still see clips from time to time in our house because she likes to revisit old clips on YouTube.
1: I remember the opening scene of the entire series was Jessica Simpson sitting on her couch, eating from a can of tuna, the chicken by the seed tuna. And she was like, Nick, is this chicken?
0: Was that the first scene of the show?
1: I'm pretty sure it was the very first scene of the show. I could be wrong about that, but
0: that definitely became the most recognized one. The most, before viral was really a thing, that went viral for all intents and purposes.
1: It did go viral, yeah. But yeah, and she she was like convinced that what she was eating was chicken. And Nick had to explain that chicken of the sea was the brand name of tuna. And she was, up to that point in her life, she never realized that when she was eating tuna, she was eating fish. She had no idea. <laughs> it's like,
0: wow. You never realize these things when you're a kid. Watching older people on TV, you just assume everybody's older than you. As a 22-year-old, without Jessica Simpson making that mistake for me, I might have screwed one of those things up like that, you know?
1: No, not like that, though.
0: She just got unlucky, because we all ask dumb (laughs) questions from time to time, but every single one of hers was millions of people saw it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that show didn't do good things for the image of her intelligence, that's for sure.
0: But she was like America's sweetheart
1: unfortunately it did not last between the two of them you hate to
0: see it you do i hope they're both well wherever they are now going from chicken of the sea to the biggest chickens i've ever seen on a football field oh i like where this is headed emmett smith of the dallas cowgirls boo (laughs) hey but that's sexist i know it is (laughs) emmett smith of the dallas cowboys thank you michael He passed Walter Payton as the NFL's leading rusher in a 17-14 loss to the Seattle Seahawks.
1: At least they lost, which, as we know, the Dallas Cowboys are really good at doing.
0: That reminds me of when we discussed Barry Bonds passing the home run lead in a losing effort as well. Yeah. You feel accomplished, but it's
1: a team sport for a reason, Keenan. These athletes, though, after big accomplishments like that in the post-game interviews, they always say, oh, it's a cool thing, but really it's about... Winning and losing, and really I'm just happy for my team. And you know that's never true. You know they care way more about setting individual records.
0: They're just working for that next contract year, baby.
1: That's all they're doing, baby. Can't blame them, though. No, not at all. I'd be doing the same thing. That same day, Mike, let's hop across the pond real quick. This is one of those headlines that's both tragic but also kind of hilarious. Love those, Keenan. In Great Britain, during a storm, they reported 100 mile per hour winds. It was the worst gales since 1987 and itself was considered the most severe storm in 200 years. Nine people ended up dying and there was 50 million pounds of damage. Not the weight, Mike, in that silly fake GB currency. What's, what's the funny part about that? Because I'm just picturing people like literally being blown around. <laughs> People were literally, like, I'm sure they were uplifted. Can you imagine a guy, like, holding an umbrella yeah, and just, like... The guy died. <laughs> yeah, but only a couple people. And people are flying around like they're Mary Poppins. I
0: guess that's funny.
1: It's, like, half funny, but also half sad.
0: Yeah. It's, um... You didn't get a little kick out of that? I was waiting. I don't know. Once you said nine people died, I thought <laughs> there was a twist coming, but...
1: No, the twist is I just want to be in a big windstorm and be blown around a little bit.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I find that image hilarious. I guess me too, now that you mention it. (laughs) Just grab your umbrella and kind of float away.
1: And then finally, at the end of the month, this one I also found somewhat topical. On October 30th, Jam Master Jay, who was the DJ for Run DMC, he was shot and killed in, I believe, a recording studio in New York. The reason why that's topical is they never caught his murderer. They only had speculation. They questioned a few people. There were some conspiracy theories, as there always is when these things happen. But in August 2020, two men, Ronald Washington and Carl Jordan Jr., were indicted for his murder. Wow, that recent. Yeah, it literally just happened. And it alleged that the three of them, these two guys and Jam Master Jay, they all had acquired 10 kilos of cocaine and were planning on selling it, I guess. And Jam Master Jake cut them out, so they got angry at him and ended up murdering him because of that. At least that's what these allegations are saying. So right. that one is going to play out, I imagine,
0: over the next several months. Man, that is sad. Run DMC were huge back in the day. Before our time, I'd say, but they still had that... Um...
1: We knew who they were.
0: Yeah. They had that renewed success when they teamed up with Aerosmith. Yeah, it's huge. So, Keenan, some themes of this album. We have a couple classics, a couple we've seen before in the pop punk project. There's songs that discuss being an average kid from the suburbs. In good Charlotte's case, they're from the suburbs of DC. But we've seen other bands from the suburbs of Toronto and Chicago and Oakland. So that's kind of a common theme throughout these albums that we've reviewed so far. Gouttroy is also big on being a loser, being out of place, not fitting in with societal structure or expectations, going against the grain, not fitting in with the in-crowd, things of that nature.
1: It's interesting because I feel like at the time, being weird and different wasn't cool. Like years later, that actually became a cool thing to like be a weird person, to be a gamer to be different, probably when we were in like high school and beyond, college for sure. But back then, I think being like a loner and a loser was not something that people were proud of. And I think this was one of the first times that we saw a band really flaunt that and say, oh, this is a loser anthem, and we are here for the losers specifically. I thought that was always pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. And going back to the single off their first album, The Little Things, There's a line from that song saying, we made the baseball team and they still laughed at us. So they had already tried fitting in and it didn't work for them.
1: Yeah, you can't please everybody. There's another theme that we've seen before. And it's the theme of basically not fitting in with your family. And in their case, it's all about how much they hate their dad, which is such like a cliche pop punk emo theme. But these guys had to have been one of the originators, at least around that time.
0: Yeah, and they actually had a real reason. To hate their dad. They did
1: have a real reason because Joel Madden and Benji Madden, their dad left them when they were really young. And we will hear that almost on repeat. We'll hear that several times through this album and beyond. But that's something that they wanted to use their music and their platform to really dive into, and they do. And I think more broadly, just it follows that theme of not fitting in, not getting along with people. Your family is no exception. And for them, it's certainly no exception. Right. They also had some. Similar themes that we've heard, but they present it in kind of a different way. They talk about relationships with girls. And I think before, the way that typical pop punk bands would talk about relationships, they would mention breakups or girls cheating on them. But Good Charlotte had a tendency to talk more specifically about girls being superficial and shallow. And they get very specific about why... Girls are that way, or why they think girls are that way. I don't think we've really seen it quite like that before.
0: No, not on that grand a scale, I would say. It's always been referring to a specific person or a specific relationship that the singer's referring to, but Good Charlotte kind of paints it with a broader brush on this album. And then finally, Keenan, there are a couple songs that don't really fall into a standard category that we've seen before. Songs like lifestyles of the rich and famous and even the song wondering yeah i was
1: just gonna say wondering is a really unique one too
0: they're kind of topics that don't really get mentioned on these albums very often Uh, i think of other songs like stacy's mom where it's like they stand out from the others on the album just because when you listen to the lyrics it's like i've never heard a song about this before which is i kind of appreciate that it makes the other songs first of all more tolerable and more important because you have some separation between this song about my dad, this song about this girl sucks, this song about my dad again, thrown in there are these unique songs.
1: It's just refreshing. It's a nice change of pace to hear things that are totally off topic or off brand. It's just cool to hear something new. Mm -hmm. And the inspiration behind this album, Joel Madden has gone on record to say that they named it the young and the hopeless and they, tackled most of the topics because they felt like that generation that they were in, our generation, the young generation of the 2000s, he felt like we were this misfit group. And it wasn't just the fact that we were a misfit group, it was that we were recognizing that we were misfit. So this was like our
0: anthem. Hell yeah. Still is, baby.
1: And without any further ado, I want to welcome our very talented very sensual guest, our good pal, Tom Mackle. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, wow. Thanks for having me. What an intro, (laughs) Keenan. It's good to be back with the boys. And as everybody probably knows at this point, as we've mentioned a few times, Tom Mackle was the lead guitarist? Rhythm guitarist. Rhythm. A guitarist. Yeah, aspiring guitarist. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Guitarist in training for the gummy bear warriors are middle school band and Tommy has stuck to his musical dream and is now a professional musician. I think my first question, Tommy is how would you describe your genre today? Obviously you move beyond pop punk, um, unfortunately, but what is your genre? Do you consider yourself country or like what exactly is it? Um, I'd say it's Americana,
2: pop rock, it kinda of, it's kinda of shifting a little bit more in the in the pop contemporary world. But I th- not I mean it's always been kinda of like pop influence. I always like pop music, pop punk especially. But um yeah, Americana. Um, definitely. Americana pop it's like rock.
0: Folksy. Yeah.
2: I think that ties
1: into the Americana, but yeah. I like to hear what people say, um about it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. I think at the end of the day, overall, it's just like good vibe, good feeling music. Yeah. Easy listening, feel good music, like, you know,
2: with a, with a more honest and raw message, I hope, you know? Yeah, for sure. Lyrics. And it's
1: super catchy. All your songs are really catchy. Thanks, dude. Hey, you're welcome. You're man. the best. You're literally the man. best musician I've ever met. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, at least That's top, so top five. so flattering. At least top five.
2: I mean, watching that Gummy Bear Warriors video of us at, eight, at the 8th Grade Talent Show a few weeks back. And hearing your voice was pretty inspiring, too. (laughs) I wish
1: I didn't give you so much crap for your voice now, because it sounded great. Oh, dude, it was, uh, I could really hit those high notes. I know. That's what I was known for back then.
2: You had a a great great performance, you know, the the sound guy helped out a little bit, you know.
1: The sound guy was the best part. I don't know about that.
0: It's funny, because I was thinking, I think I was only the sound guy at one of Paul's parties, like, for real, but... All I did was just sit there, and then Tom would run over and like <laughs> adjust the knobs and run back. <laughs> oh, man. I
2: probably just wanted to touch it.
0: Just, I think all I did was I brought Muppets. I brought some Muppets. I remember the Muppets sitting on the edge yeah. of the board. For the keep fish and cover.
1: I'm pretty sure Tom just taped off where the levels were supposed to be. And anytime you tried to adjust <laughs> to fix it, Tommy would have to stop what he was doing and come and actually
0: fix it. If you went a little behind the scenes of that performance, Dave was doing backing vocals, and I don't think he wanted to be as loud as he was. So he would come over and say, "Yo, turn me down a little bit." And then his parents, Mr. Dixon, would come over and be like, "Hey, turn Dave up a little bit," because like they were there because they wanted to see their son play. And I was like, "Ah!" It's classic showbiz parents. I'm really not supposed to move the knobs. And then I'm like, I can't hear myself in the monitors. Turn it up in the yeah. monitors.
2: <laughs> oh, we didn't have monitors. Yeah,
1: we were high tech back then. Yeah. You were always ahead of your time as far as the technology. I remember you kind of had that on lock. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had to. And clearly, it hasn't changed because we're using Apple <laughs> earbuds and you have a professional pew, mic. Pew, and... <laughs> I come prepared to the Pop
0: Punk yeah. project. I have my customer service headset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you look like you work for AT&T customer support or something.
0: I'm at McDonald's ready to serve you your Travis Scott meal.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah.
2: So what record are we talking about today,
1: boys? So the reason that we brought you on, Tom, is because this week we're discussing Good Charlottes' The Young and the Hopeless. And as we all know, this was the album that I think defined our pop-punk careers and defined our love for the genre. I want to go on a record and say that Tom was probably the one who introduced all of us to Good Charlotte. Am I wrong about that? Jeez,
2: I don't know. That's a I wanna say yes, but I, I don't know if I can take the I don't know if I can claim that. I think somebody else showed it to me.
0: Moyne? Uh I think I was probably late to the party.
2: Moine, I think you showed it to me. I didn't
0: show it to anybody.
2: You definitely showed me Reliant K. Shout out Matt T if you're listening.
0: That is true. What up, Matt T? Yeah, true. Reliant K I've been on since day one. Yeah. Um and, but no, Good Charlotte. I remember mm-hmm. You guys already had like I think Keenan had a made sweatshirt and you guys had the made t-shirts and stuff. Oh yeah. And I think that's when I was like what is made? And I had heard like the anthem and lifestyles and some of the singles but I don't think I really was into Good Charlotte yet and then once I saw you guys rocking the that sick gear I knew that this was a band I had to check out and so I bought The Young and the Hopeless. I think it was my first real cd first modern cd like i had listened to the beatles same up until that point and like the beach boys and stuff my parents listened to that was the first time i told my parents i need to go to fye and get this cd as soon as possible so that was what like sixth grade seventh grade i want to say
2: sixth grade yeah but yeah that was the first record
1: that introduced me to what was cool So is this the first pop punk band that you really got into, Tom? Yeah, Good Charlotte for sure. Okay, good. That's
2: what I had assumed. I got to get my chicken pot pie out of the oven now. Yeah, you cook your chicken pot pie.
0: Like a true rock star. Man, he doesn't even do the microwave chicken pot pies. He has it in the oven.
1: (laughs) He's probably cooking it from scratch.
0: Somebody probably made it for him. Probably had some groupie come over and make him chicken pot pie.
1: Dude, must be nice to be a rock star. I know. What's up, Chicken Pot Pie Boy?
0: Oh, we're back. I
1: hope this is okay. Is it
2: eating dinner on the Pop Punk Podcast is this kosher? Yeah,
1: yeah, dude. Of course. So now that we established that Tom introduced us to Good Charlotte, I'm sticking to that. Let's dive into the actual song. So the first track is called "A New Beginning." This one is an instrumental track, which we've kind of seen something similar in Sum 41 where they have this opening track that's not an actual song. Tom, do you like when bands do like a cool different intro thing? Or do you I don't like, know. You to I, get-
2: I mean, I think this was like super cool. I mean, it's like an intro track. And then there's like there's probably a couple bonus tracks on this record that like was on the sticker of the CD that you bought. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool thing that bands were doing. And it went with the whole show and the whole like Young and the Hopeless image. And like, I think you could put it in your computer and there was probably like a little video that went with it too. Yeah, I'm sure. I love all that little extra stuff, whether it was bonus tracks or intro tracks or like, but it went with their tour too. You know, they, they would play A New Beginning and then they would, they go right into the anthem.
1: Yeah. It's like almost a perfect lead in.
2: I think those two were, two songs were written at the same time because they were the only songs that Benji didn't write with Joel that he wrote with Eric Valentine, their producer. So they wrote a new beginning in the anthem together. It was like the producer was like, Oh, we need like one more. Like, well, I think the label actually said we needed, we need another loser anthem, like little things. Yeah. And they wrote the anthem. They wrote like the anthem. And that was like the single that made the record label kind of go off.
1: Damn dude. You did do your research. I'm a fucking good Charlotte fan, man. That's impressive, man.
0: I would never listen to the intro track when I actually listen to the CD just because all I want to do is listen to the Anthem. But I know we were all at the Y 100 festival back in December of 2004. And they played this song when they were coming on stage. That was like the coolest thing in the world. Cause we had sat through like, so cool. there was a ton of good bands there. There was what? France Fernand, the hives, Jimmy Eat World, Silver Tide, but we were all there for good Charlotte. And then this song hits They walk out on stage and it's like, we were, what, 13 years old and just losing our minds.
2: Oh yeah. It was all like theatrical too. Oh yeah, maybe not theatrical, but. I think it was. I think they were typically pretty theatrical actually. They definitely were. (laughs) It's like the final countdown (laughs) to the
1: world of emo, 2002. So then that led into track two, which was the anthem. as we all know, the anthem was the biggest song of the album. It was actually the second single. It wasn't the lead single. It was the second single after Lifestyles of the Rich and the
0: Famous, right? Yeah, Lifestyles was released, I think, a month or so before the album, or maybe a couple months before the album. Yeah. And it had pretty good success, but the anthem will always be, I think, the song from this album. And I think, in my opinion top five all-time like pop punk songs the anthem's oh, yeah. on there for me
2: Ooh, or lifestyles is rich and famous like what another smash hit i mean like mtv that was just like mtv's song it was so big trl like countdown like them playing the anthem riding their bikes with their the low rider bike makeup like dude down the street like i just think of the anthem That music video was unreal
1: The Anthem music video was the first time I ever saw them and I Oh true, yeah. I guess I didn't expect them to look like that. I was expecting to see like the classic skater punk pop punk rocker. Like a Sum forty one or a Goldfinger or a mess, somebody like that. And then these guys are on their low rider bikes and they're all tatted up, makeup, Benji had like the dyed hair. It was such a different image than I think what any of us were used to. Yeah, it was hardcore, it was goth it was goth it was like the first time I think we saw guys that were considered goth
2: that's when we started going to hot topic
1: yeah <laughs> that's right I think good charlotte is the reason we would just <laughs> bum around at hot topic at the montgomeryville mall just weekends on end man
2: I had this huge good charlotte poster in my room where it was like yeah all I'm just standing there and like my parents wanted to take that poster down so bad <laughs> for so many years but they could not take it down Eventually, I took it down when I started to listen to a little more John Mayer than Good Charlotte. But
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: that transition. I don't know what that says about me. But... I had so many Good Charlotte posters over the years. At a certain point, I was like, Good Charlotte sucks. I'm past this. And I would just like rip them down and throw them out. I'm like, damn, I wish I just rolled it up and saved it. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's
1: a shame. But I did think at the time, even though they were super popular... There was also kind of a stigma about liking them. I think it was maybe them and Simple Plan. Like, if you admitted freely that you listened to Good Charlotte or you wore Good Charlotte stuff, I feel like you were kind of setting yourself up for people being like, oh, dude. Yeah. Those guys, like, those guys are
2: lame. But that was the whole, like, vulnerable emo thing, you know? It's exactly no, what it was. Nobody
0: liked, you know? It's kind of yeah. like, but I don't
1: care. Like, we were embracing that at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what was cool. This was also the age of, pastel popped collar polos you know true so if you went to a dance in a black maid t-shirt while like people (laughs) were wearing like lacoste you definitely were different i guess but then the more that these songs were played they became way more popular and i feel like people started thinking that actually might be kind of cool i don't know maybe that's just me but no for sure
1: that's what i thought at the time yeah Mm -hmm.
2: I remember rolling up to a Good Charlotte concert like at, my oh, jeez, what was it? The Wachovia. Like, what was it then? Like, man.
0: Oh, Tweeter Center? First Union Center?
2: I think it was like the Wachovia Spectrum.
0: Oh, the Spectrum? I went
2: and saw Good Charlotte, my older sister, dropped me off. Or took, did not drop me off. Took me there. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember walking in there like, the New good Charlotte fan, you know, but like everybody had their nails painted and eye makeup and all black. And I remember like my looking up at my older sister being like, I was a little scared, you know. I remember like walking in and it was l- fucking loud. Goldfinger was the op- opening act and or Mest, and I think Mest first song had like fuck you like a hundred times in it and it was so loud and i was kind of like oh my god what is this shit that i got myself into like oh my god and then good charlotte came on with a new beginning and then the anthem anthem and i'm like these are these figures right in front of my eyes like
0: that is crazy man the first time you see them live
2: and i mean it was a stadium it was a stadium tour young and the hopeless their first
0: headline tour was like a stadium
1: tour think about how massive they were as a band Wait, so was that before or after the Y One Hundred Festival?
2: Man, I don't know. I know it was the Young and the Hopeless tour behind the rack.
0: That must have been before, because I think, I think the festival they were either, I think they might have just released Chronicles of Life and Death in two thousand four. Oh yeah, this was
1: Young and the Hopeless then.
0: Yeah, you probably saw them in like two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, on that tour.
1: This just proves that Tommy was into them way before we were, because he was rolling up to these concerts with his sister before any of us were even thinking about concerts. Man,
0: it
2: was just that one. That was the first, like, concert. That was, like, second concert I ever went to. That first one that was, like, I wanted to
0: go to, the, you know? Like, your first real concert. My first real concert, like, that I wanted to really go to. Um, I think the second one was Sum 41. Tom came back into school on Monday with black nail polish on, and we were like,
1: <laughs> whoa! Like, so much eyeliner. And... Brass
0: knuckles. Uh, yeah, I wasn't that hardcore.
1: It's funny, because, Mike, you were mentioning... That I had the maid sweatshirt. And I remember Halloween, it must have been like Halloween in 2003 or four. I think we all probably went out together, but I convinced my mom that I wanted to go as Benji for Halloween. I remember that. Yeah. And so it was an excuse basically to go to Hot Topic and buy like the $50 maid sweatshirt, (laughs) the like spike bracelet, the sweatbands, like the whole getup, and then put on the makeup and actually go out and wear all that stuff. Like, that was my excuse to be like, okay, I can buy this stuff. But I remember after that, I was like, oh, now that I have this made sweatshirt, I might as well uh, just wear this maid sweatshirt.
0: Dude, I would kill for a maid sweatshirt these days. Me too. You could probably order it somewhere. Like Redbubble. I want a genuine 2002 made sweatshirt.
2: <laughs> Man, I was just trying to... I like Dave Dixon. Shout out to Dave Dixon, by the way. Bass player, our boy. Um, yeah, what up, Dave? What's up, Dave? He still has his OzFest 2007 shirt, I think. Are and you it's serious? so cool. And I had a Warped Tour shirt from the same year that, I don't know what happened to but I looked online and they're going for like $90 now. Like oh, an my God. Like old, ripped, like Warped Tour. And I'm like, damn, I wish I still had
0: my. Everybody's parents threw out the same stuff.
2: Yeah, our stud belts. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Jeez. you leave for college and they're like, he hasn't worn this in like ten years. Let's like, throw it boy, out.
2: He's cleaned up, going to college now. We're gonna yeah. throw away all this little young angsty stuff. Oh, Moyen, you still have your? You're still wearing a good Charlotte
1: shirt there.
0: I got my good Charlotte tour shirt that I got at the Y100 festival. I held on to this for it's a class, a long time. But like, there are shirts that I got rid of because I, I never wore them, and I was like, why am I keeping this? But I'm glad I held on to this one. This was my first concert or my first tour shirt. So, and it still kind of fits. It's a little snug around the belly, but, you know, (laughs) happens.
2: It's a classic.
0: I was thinking, Keenan. we were talking about some quick notes on the anthem. We were saying when we were talking about Green Day and Longview the other week, that it's kind of weird that they made a song about masturbating. I said, like, we'll probably never discuss this topic again. And then I was listening to the anthem, and I actually realized the bridge is, like, Shake it once, that's fine. Shake it twice, it's okay. Shake it three times, you're playing with yourself again. Yeah. And I was like, what are the odds? Like. I was reading that it actually turned out that was kind of filler. Yeah. That. They were gonna change, but then they just left it in there, and it's kind of become like a, a funny like joke within that song. I think.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was actually supposed to be on the song. I think they was supposed to be pulled out, and they thought it sounded funny. And they're like, you know what? Whatever. Yeah. And that was kind of their style, I think.
0: And then in the bridge, like that, um, when they go, like that's the perfect pop punk jump moment.
1: Oh, yeah. it is. Yeah, they have a lot of them on this record, actually. But yeah, that one was iconic. It's like oh what i'm saying is that's like the best that's when everybody in the band jumps yeah
2: oh man yeah there's pop punk riffs and licks all over this record and then these were the first guys to do them too eric valentine epic producer the guy we got to give him credit for all this shit too oh yeah yeah he was huge he definitely like was like pop punk project is going to talk about this album 10 years. oh yeah 12 Jeez, how many years Twenty years ago, <laughs> yeah, eighteen years ago, this record Insane. came out. So long! Ago. I almost just said ten. That's how in denial I am.
0: Eighteen years. It's like weird to think about. Two thousand ten was probably around the time when I thought I was too cool for good, Charlotte. But you know, later in my life, I'm like, no, man, these guys were like my first true love.
1: Timeless classics. Tommy, true or false? You practice that pop punk choreographed jump. So many times in front of the mirror. So many times. Okay, just want to make sure.
2: I wish I could do it right now for the podcast. Right now, but
0: you got to get your guitar because you want to get your knees up, but you got to make sure your guitar is like.
2: Keenan, you had it down, man. I I also practice
1: in the mirror, so you were like the athlete of the band too. So, <laughs> that, if that's true, then we're we were in trouble <laughs> as athletes.
0: You guys were also playing, and Tom, you can bring us up to speed on the top notch equipment of today. But you were playing when everything had cables and wires all over the place too, and you didn't want to knock those out of the guitar or like. No,
2: it was an art to to the jump and making sure you weren't landing on your cable. We didn't have wirelesses. I mean, we we might have we, we might have got them <laughs> at some point.
1: Yeah, the day that you bought the wireless connector for the first time, Tommy was the day that
2: we were. Yeah, we thought we were about to take off.
1: Yeah, that was it. We knew we were in.
2: We were going from talent shows to parties. <laughs>
1: It was a big jump back then.
2: <laughs> That our moms were putting on, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Um, Paul Nixon, though. Shout out to our boy, Paul Nixon. We can't forget about him and, and our boy, Mike Tubes.
1: Incredible musicians.
2: But Paul, man, I remember turning all the lights off in his basement and putting on the new beginning, and then we would come in halfway through and, <laughs> and jam out and play the the actual part. He would, like, press pause, and then we would pick up the rest. That's awesome. And it was so much. It was so fun.
1: Paul Nixon's basement was where like, musical fusion happened.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we had a sound, R sound engineer at this point, but I'm sure he was floating around somewhere. We brought <laughs> yeah. him
1: on a little bit later. But you yeah. should have left me floating. <laughs> <laughs> OK, track number three, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, which was the first single of the record, flooded the airwaves and also had a pretty iconic music video. How do you rank them? The Anthem, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Which one did you like better? Oh,
2: man. I'd rank them in the order of the album. I think they knew which ones were better. I think the Anthem ahead of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I want to say I heard Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous a lot more than I heard the album. Yeah. I think Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous got like some more, it must have got some more attention. I don't know. But maybe a little bit more, but the Anthem I think was like the freaking one. That music video was so sick. Let's not forget, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves with Track 4, Wondering. Come on. That, dude, track 4 is a big
1: that, one, that, dude. Oh,
2: Billy, that lead guitar player, man. like that. I remember him playing that intro riff to the song, getting ahead of myself. But hold Yeah, well, crap. slow down, this dude. This album is full of bangers, <laughs> and we are only yeah, I know. three songs in.
0: You probably heard Lifestyles. You probably think you heard that more because it was the first single. Yeah. And if you were the first one to probably yeah. get into them, then you probably were... Into them from the very start.
2: Right. It was Lifestyles. That was the first single, wasn't
0: it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. So that's why. Because you
0: probably were into them after their debut album. And then, so then you must have been on this single from day one.
2: Everyone else was like, Lifestyles
1: is rich and famous. And I'm like,
2: nah, dude. Like, we listen to Good Charlotte, like the anthem. Like, come on.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page there.
0: Yeah. I I think we are.
1: Because I think there are people out there that prefer Lifestyles over the anthem. But again, just because it was the first single. But what was cool about this song was, It definitely was a concept and a topic that you didn't see that often. Like, nobody was talking about celebrities or nobody's bashing celebrities in song. This was just kind of a different theme. Yeah. Which I think was a cool theme. For sure. Hmm. I didn't really think about that. Yeah.
0: It's kind of funny because they were bashing celebrities and what, saying pissing and moaning in the Rolling Stone, and then literally a couple months later, they were Huge superstars. This
1: one really bit them in the ass.
0: Interviews in the Rolling Stone, covers of the Rolling wasn't Stone. Wasn't this, uh, wasn't this
2: music video of them like trashing a party in the hills or something like that? Was there some, Didn't have to.
3: It
1: something? was them like on trial. They were oh, arrested right, 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 and they right. were on trial and they were like, I guess they were the celebrities and it was this like yeah. fake celebrity trial that I think was supposed to mimic an OJ Simpson media trial.
0: Yeah, it was like a court TV spoof. That's what it was. They were like yeah. these
2: Maryland, like, poor, like, punk rock kids that were just against the world. They, like, started this young, angsty, like, emo punk rock music. They were the fucking guys. Exactly. And then and they get, and then they go off and they marry, you know, Paris Hilton. It's like, huh, <laughs> Full circle.
1: Did one of them marry Paris Hilton?
2: One of them did, right? Or is married to? Or dated? No.
0: Okay, so we wanted to ask you, do you know who they're married to?
2: Man, the Madden brothers? It's not I, Paris Hilton. I don't know. It's
0: not Paris Hilton, but you're really close.
1: actually yeah that's probably why he thought that because you're really close
2: I swear one of them was dating Paris Hilton at some point maybe not they
0: probably were but I don't (laughs) swear do you remember the show The Simple Life The Simple Life oh yes do you remember who else was on that show Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie yes so Joel is married to Nicole Richie okay so that's probably why you you. made that connection Yeah. and then Benji's wife is like an even bigger star than
2: that's right who is she do you want to guess no,
0: all right. It honestly would take forever. We have a lot of songs to cover. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, Cameron Diaz.
2: Oh, that's right. I knew that. Hmm.
0: Wow. Isn't Which that is insane? Kind of insane because she's like one of she's like an A list actress, and he's like
2: an A list songwriter and <laughs> pop there you punk go. god. He's the king an of A
0: list po- pop punker. King
2: of pop punk, baby. Good Charlotte, we love him. <laughs> Maybe they'll hear this. Waldorf, Maryland. I hope this so. will get to them. Every person I've ever met from Maryland. Ever since I heard of Good Charlotte, I asked, this is the first thing I asked them, do you know where Waldorf, Maryland is? If they, if they John <laughs> and they're Benji like, Madden? oh yeah, w- Waldorf, I'm like, do you like Good Charlotte? <laughs> they're
1: like, oh yeah, yeah, this is my mom's, you know, hairdresser, like, friend. I'm like, what? Oh, of course, yeah. You know them? <laughs> One day you'll get to them, Tom, don't worry.
2: One day.
0: Dude, someday when you're touring the world, we're going to have people ask us, do you know where Laura Gwinnett is? And it's like, yeah. It's like, do you listen to Tom Maggle? It's like, ugh, yeah. <laughs> do we yeah. ever yeah so that, guy. that guy.
1: one day good charlotte's gonna be opening for tommy that's what i'm excited for <laughs>
2: <laughs> like,
0: get them to open for you right now honestly
2: <laughs> let's go baby
0: so in this video there were some interesting cameos uh most notably kyle gas from tenacious d that's right and chris kirkpatrick from in sync i met him you met chris kirkpatrick yeah when? Down here in Charleston,
2: years ago. He's cool.
0: Nice. That's pretty awesome. Did you ask him about Good Charlotte?
2: I think we're, No. He <laughs> should have. But that's cool. Continue. Sorry I interrupted. No,
0: that. that's it. I just thought it, those were two weird people to have in their music video. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Wait, I want to play a new game. Can we play a new game? As we go on and we start naming celebrities, Tommy, you have to say if you have or have not met them.
2: Um, believe me, please. Let's not play this game.
1: <laughs> I've only met two celebrities, and that was Matt
2: from Reliant K and this guy
0: that's still pretty awesome and Shep from Southern Charm
2: and Shep from Southern Charm what
0: up Shep if you're
2: listening Hot punk project shout out to you brother
1: you better follow us after this
0: all right Tom we can go to your doggy song now
1: oh yeah okay track number four Wondering
2: Oh yeah. This is playing right through like my track.
1: I can definitely hear it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) What a smash hit, man. This just leads into the rest of the record. It's just like intro track, single smash hit, second single smash hit. And then it's like, all right, let's give you the second tier of hits we have here. There's like eight of them.
0: Is this your favorite song?
2: It's pretty damn it's pretty close, dude. Riot girl's sick.
0: You can think about it. You can come back I'll to it. I think about
2: but I'm just gonna I mean, I love it, so I'm gonna say yes.
0: Okay. that's big.
2: How about you, Mike?
0: Keenan and I were talking while you were getting dinner and Chicken pot pie. We agreed that this is both our number two favorite song on the album, but really close to number one. So it's kinda weird we all love this song so much.
2: It's a great one. <laughs>
1: It's one that I think once you get past the singles, like obviously I still like all the singles, but this is one that the more I've listened to an album and as you kind of get sick of the singles, just because you hear them over and over again, this is one that stands out as like, wow, this is a really underrated, but really good song. Oh yeah. And then it just becomes an immediate favorite. Tommy, can I put you on the spot for a second? Yeah, let's take a selfie first. Yo, what up haters?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got to do one with Mike on full screen now me on full screen you can just leave it out. <laughs> you thought the gummy bear warriors were dead here they are
1: we're just getting started baby this is the comeback jeez do you know what this song is about or do you have an idea of what you think it's about
2: I actually don't I'm so bad at like just remember like just reading and comprehension I was never really good at that so I just kind of like <laughs> love the melody reading comprehension the... <laughs> um no I haven't really dove into the whole the lyrics and the story of the song but okay I should I should have you guys were talking about lifestyles rich and famous, like what they were doing, like they're talking about it in the verses, like crashing parties. I'm like, What are you talking about? But, yeah. <laughs> I gotta I should have printed the lyrics. I was
0: thinking For not being good at reading comprehension, you picked a good career in literally writing and composing your own song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You don't gotta read anything if you write it yourself. Man, I can't remember what I did ten minutes ago or what I read two seconds ago.
1: Do you have all of your songs written down in like a notebook somewhere? Where do you have your stuff written down?
2: Um, I have them on my computer and stuff. but On your computer? Okay. I'm not as big of a notebook guy as Mike Moynihan over here, but I'm sure yeah. he's got stacks and physical archives and file cabinets of lyrics and teardrops. And
0: I also haven't written anything since like 2005, so. Yeah. Wait, so Kenan, what is this song about?
1: So this song is actually about, Benji wrote it about his dog, Whose name I think was Cash Dog. Oh, that's right. It's all coming back. Remember Cash Dog? It's all coming
0: back. They talk about Cash Dog in another song.
1: Yeah. He wrote it from the perspective of his dog. So the first verse is If you want me to wait, I'd wait for you. If you tell me to stay, I would stay right through. If you don't want to say anything at all, I'm happy wondering. Like, once you actually think about it and read it, it's like, of course, that's like a pet. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, the song's not nearly as cool now.
1: Not nearly as cool now?
2: it is cool. I love dogs. That came off the wrong way, but...
1: (laughs) Uh, This just in, Tom Mackle hates animals. Oh, my gosh.
0: Known dog hater, Tom Mackle, appeared on the (laughs) Pop Punk Project.
2: (laughs) So, I can just picture him now looking at his dog, writing this song, and, like, talking to the dog, and the dog saying nothing back.
0: Well, they
1: were obsessed with
0: that dog, because it always
1: made an appearance in their lyrics and on their songs, and it was always in their music videos. What was it? Like, a pit bull? I think it was a pit bull.
0: Yeah, I think it was a pit bull. Actually, he was... Cash Dog was in the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous video as well. I neglected to mention him. Oh, another celebrity cameo. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's huge. I can see what Tom's saying where the song does take a different meaning, I guess, once you know that. But I think it's kind of cool because there's not too many rock songs that are about dogs or from the perspective of dogs. Especially not ones that are this good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. No, I just like it because we mentioned earlier, Mike, that they have themes that you wouldn't see other pop punk bands have and this is one of them no other bands talk about their pets yeah but you got you know you got to when you're good charlotte track number five the story of my old man this is the first time we dive into a theme that comes up frequently with good charlotte how much they hate their dad
2: Yeah, man, they really did not like their dad. I was listening no. to it. <laughs> I don't know. Why, that's rude. I don't mean to laugh. I mean that's that's rough. It's not fun. You know. Yeah. But. They
1: were not a fan of their dad, and they made it very.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, emotionless. That song I was listening to it today.
1: That's a tough one. And
2: I was like, oh my god! I was cracking up, but yeah, pretty sure it starts off with like, I'm sorry,
1: dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good Charlotte. I think they got a rap as being like that band that all they talked about was how much they hated their dad. And it became oh yeah this broader like emo theme.
2: Oh yeah. It was like, you know, the kids fucked up families have a voice, you know?
0: Yeah. Here's my question though. If their dad didn't walk out on them when they were like, what, 14 or 15 years old, do you think they would have become punk rockers? They probably would have just had a normal upbringing and been boring old, regular old guys. Yeah.
1: Working at the McDonald's serving a Travis Scott, Happy Meals
0: Yeah They wouldn't have had The material to write Half this album What geniuses Those
2: guys were not Going to end up Anywhere but where they are They just You know they had it
0: They were always Going to be rock stars
2: Like when I was Just like holy crap They wrote Like Benji and Joel Like wrote Wrote this whole album You know like These are some it's insane Banger hits dude Like Yeah And the You know Eric Valentine The producer Like helped write A couple of them You know Including one of the Big singles But, But you know Like Benji Was already Like had the song And like the other guy kind of helped finish it. Like, I've co written songs. Like, you, you got to have a fucking great idea. Oh, yeah. For, for a sure. song that awesome. You can't just like pull that out of thin air. Maybe you can. I don't know.
1: Well, you of all people should know.
2: Man, let's write it. Let's write a pop punk album after this podcast is
0: over.
1: I'm oh, in. Probably bang it out overnight, right?
0: I was thinking with this song, it's still about how they hate their dad. But this is kind of like a, a warning. You know what I mean? They're kind of warning people don't be a deadbeat dad.
1: Did Tommy just leave. <laughs> a Tommy? Where'd <laughs> Tommy, where'd you go?
0: But like the lines where it's like I remember baseball games and working on the car, like he did do fatherly things with them. He just right. also was a total dick and left them.
1: Well, there's also the line, last I heard he was at the bar doing himself in. I know I got that same disease. I guess I got that from him. So he is concerned that this is gonna run in the family. And later on it says This is a story of my old man, just like his father before him.
0: Yeah. So I was thinking alcoholism might run in their family. If it was their father at the bar, their grandfather at the bar, they're worried that they don't want to follow down that same path. Right. And I also read that, and this kind of made me feel sad for them, but Benji tried reaching out to his dad once he turned 18, just kind of saying, you know, I'm on my own now. I know you and mom had a falling out, but. Maybe we can foster some sort of a relationship going forward. And his dad just said, I'm trying to have a new life and forget about you guys. Wow. Really? Yeah. And that was the last time, at least from the interview I read, Benji said that was the last time he ever tried to reach out to his dad. So that's got to be really tough to extend the olive branch and just have it thrown aside.
1: Right. Tommy's uh, computer died. Oh, shit. Um. There he is.
0: Yo.
2: I just restarted my audio. Check one, two. We're back. All right. Nice. Anyways, what were we talking about?
1: Uh, Don't worry. When you dropped out, we were just like, I was like, hey, don't you think so, Tom? And oh, yeah, totally, Kanan. We're just like doing (laughs) impressions of you. So don't worry. We got all of it. It's good. (laughs) Mike, when we originally recorded this episode weeks ago and we were talking about their dad, we actually looked it up and didn't he die like this year or last year. It was extremely recently. Man. He like just passed away and I'm pretty sure in his obit it said survived by his two sons and it's just so weird when somebody's not a part of your life but you're still their dad and you still list them in your obituary. I don't know. There's just something very bizarre about that.
0: Yeah. That's weird because the last article I found on him was he was arrested for DUI in January of 2019.
1: So, oh, Yeah. I saw that too actually.
0: That really sucks. It looks like he never really he
1: never turned things around. Yeah.
0: Jeez. That's heavy. Roger Combs.
2: Looking back on his fucking sons making like the most iconic pop punk records yeah. about how much they
1: fucking hate him. That must suck. That's the other thing. If you're him. Well, that sucks. Like how do you rebound from that? You have a whole album that went triple platinum that everybody's heard and it's all about how much your own sons hate you. Yeah, that's like good revenge for the Madden Bros. Well done, brothers. It definitely
0: is. He died in March of 2019, Keenan. 2019, so yeah, okay. Right after that DUI. That Jeez. sucks.
1: Rest in peace.
0: Um, I got to kind of respect him, though, because his sons were rich, literally rich and famous, and he was still like, I don't want anything to do with you. So at least he was consistent. That's true. Wow.
1: I guess he has that going for him.
0: Like Bieber's dad trying to get rich and famous off of Bieber. At least. The Madden's dad was like no I really wanted to leave you forever <laughs> yeah
1: he did go all in so track number six girls and boys
2: girls don't like boys girls like cars and money
4: girls don't
1: great song. You love this one because you hated girls, didn't you? Do you have to bleep
2: me out? Can I swear on here?
0: You can do whatever you want. You're a rock star. You can swear. Alright.
2: Um. Yeah, absolute smash hit.
0: Thanks for asking if you can curse after you've been saying fuck the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: sorry. I mean, it goes with the, it goes with the vibe, you know? We're yeah. talking about pop punk
1: here.
0: Yeah, GC, they probably said fuck.
1: Actually, did they ever really curse?
0: They probably cursed later in their career when they were trying to uh, sell records.
1: To remake their image? Yeah. Man, great song.
2: Definitely one of the more like upbeat driving songs on the record. It's good, yeah. It's definitely one of the
0: popular songs on the record, right? Yeah. This was the third signal, right? After Anthem?
2: I think you're right. It was released in July, I think, after the Honda Civic Tour with the co headline Newfound Glory.
0: That's right, dude, what a tour.
2: Man, this song has the cheesiest.
0: Fucking lyrics though it is cheesy
1: i also feel like this is a song that you probably couldn't get away with today
2: no like the chorus are you kidding me i was listening to it earlier like,
1: nobody would would produce this song today
2: no this was yeah this was for 2002 and
1: 2002 only <laughs> yeah <laughs> i still like it though but i think this song is also about moin educated with money he's well dressed not funny dude Is this song written about you, Mike?
2: My friend just told me I'm not funny today, so I think this song is about me. Really? He's like, sorry, but you're not funny. I was like, oh, man. I have to make a funny video. I was like, I want to make a funny video. He goes, but you're not funny. I was like, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm not funny, but. I think you're funny. He's like, you're sweet. You're not funny. I'm like, oh, man. That's a good point. You are sweet.
0: It would be a funny video to just film your reaction when somebody tells you you're not funny. (laughs)
2: Thanks. (laughs) Wow. Always a good producer, Mike.
0: Uh, You don't have to keep acting like I did anything.
2: In the band? Yeah. You were like the
0: mediator, like,
2: the, like the, the leader, the band leader, the sound guy, the... Hey, quiet down, quiet down. The one to tell us how bad we really do sound. You were honest with us. We were honest, yeah. Honest critic, constructive critic. Yeah. But you were fun. I think people enjoyed your presence. Somebody so. had to collect the girls, you know, before the vip
0: that's what it was yeah Yeah. girls filing front row right here yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we had to direct all the groupies
0: speaking of girls and boys (laughs) do you remember the music video for this one they were like playing a concert for all these old people
1: i do remember that and they were dancing right
0: yeah they were like rocking out it's actually pretty funny the old people were like being punks like they were throwing shit at cars yeah i just thought it was amusing
1: I remember there's one scene of Joel like walking towards the camera.
0: The walk. And you yeah. would
1: always do that in school.
0: I love Joel doing that walk. <laughs> yeah. And then he would stop and go. Yeah, oh, yeah. I remember yeah. it now. Wow. It all. He was in an Adidas tracksuit. like. Well, yeah.
1: So cool. That was like your thing for a year, Moine.
0: I thought it was really cool. It was literally just walking in a weird way (laughs) so I could handle it. But with his eye on the camera,
2: you know? Mm -hmm. It was definitely in the Swagger music video lead singer move. Like, that was cool.
0: Yeah, it was sweet. I was thinking, because we just talked about Good Charlotte and New Found Glory, they're some of the only bands we've talked about so far that had a dedicated lead singer that didn't really play an instrument. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Jordan played guitar sometimes, but Joel, I think he played guitar live Sometimes, but for the most part, he was all like lead vocals. Yeah. In some of these music videos, it's kind of interesting to watch him because he's just going like, yeah, like, like moving his hands around in weird <laughs> what ways. What doing my hands? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. <laughs> he's the man, though.
2: You know what I just found? Actually, today I was going through some archives. I found my live DVD, Good Charlotte Live from Brixton Academy.
0: No, did you really?
2: And it's so sick. I watched a little bit of it, and it's like incredible.
0: I remember watching that one with you. Was that from this tour, like the Young and the Hopeless?
2: Um, I think it was like right after. Maybe it was Chronicles
0: actually. And that's in England, right? Yeah. Academy.
2: Man, but they, yeah, they were so cool. I
0: do remember watching that at your house. Oh like, yeah. Vividly, over in your and over again.
1: They had so many cool live videos, man. I mentioned this on, I think the Sum Forty One episode, but Tom, you always had like the the live DVDs. You had the Warp Tour. Oh yeah. DVDs you had like the band tour DVDs and we were always Dude, that was
2: the coolest part about those bands was the yeah. videos like you remember you would just, just spend hours trying to download these behind the scenes videos off the of LimeWire or some for you yeah. and you'd be like yo I just found all these new like tour diary videos like come over and check <laughs> <Yeah>. them out <laughs> because we always wanted to f- find out more and more about these guys and like see, yeah. it, see the behind the scenes of them because they were so it was all hidden behind like the act then you couldn't access all these visuals above the band. All we had was the record and the music yeah. videos. You know,
1: it was the most interesting stuff. I think the stuff you don't see, like the tour bus stuff, the yeah. behind the
2: scenes, and they like, and that was the first time you could, you know, check that stuff out. It was like, remember rolling up to the show and seeing the tour bus? And we're like, yo, like they're probably hanging out. Yeah. Beside, now it's like it's, it's all been it's all been done now. But like that mystery, that you know. What are they like?
0: Yeah, there was no YouTube to just search for what you wanted to find and yeah, watch a thousand videos about it. And
2: I think that added to the hype of, of these bands back then, too. It's like there was so much that we didn't know that we wanted to know about them. Yeah. So cool.
1: Track number seven, My Bloody Valentine. I, don't, I can't always skip over this song. I don't really remember it. I was going to say, this was also one that I didn't love, and I don't think I fully understood it. Oh, yeah, I remember it. to read the lyrics to fully understand what was going on
2: yeah this one was a little bit too hardcore this one was dude reaching the edge of metal you
0: guys are putting the song down this is my favorite song on this album (laughs) here we go okay
1: to each his own hit us with it
0: i always thought it was cool i love the chorus i love the harmonizing in this chorus i thought the story was interesting it was definitely way more hardcore than anything else on the album
1: it was very graphic
0: it was very violent yeah, the premise is a dude that's killing this girl that he has a crush on. He, he's literally killing her boyfriend to yeah. try to get with her.
1: Man, that's scary. That's what I thought was so funny. It was like, I knew it was always this very violent song. Like the lyrics are, I ripped out his throat and called you on the telephone. I
0: ripped out his throat. That's the first line of the song. I know, I know. <laughs> but
1: I didn't know that it was really about, it's about this guy who's killing this girl's boyfriend to get with her. And in his mind, he thinks that that will win her over. Like, she's magically going to start dating him.
0: Can your boyfriend do this? Are you serious?
2: That is insane. Yeah. We go from singing songs about your dog to ripping out your dream girl's boyfriend's throat. Like, come on. Maybe these guys did have issues, you know?
1: Well, they definitely had issues. They definitely had issues, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the way they dress. Like, You got to be angry at the world. There's no doubt about that. Not to say that if you dress goth, you necessarily have issues, but-
2: if Good Charlotte didn't blow up...
1: It's a good thing music was their outlet and nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Keenan. That's what I was trying to say.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs>
0: you Keenan, know, I was talking to you earlier saying I made a connection on this song that I hadn't before. Can you give me like a minute to go into it? Please. The floor is yours. Are you intrigued? Boy, is my interest peaked. All right. Check this out. Again, I think this is probably just pure coincidence, but... There's a line on this song that says, no telltale heart was left to find. Yep. Um,
1: Telltale heart. Yeah.
0: The telltale heart was a short story by Edgar Allan Poe published in 1843. Here's a brief premise. Okay. Yep. It is related by an unnamed narrator who endeavors to convince the reader of the narrator's sanity while simultaneously describing a murder the narrator committed. The victim was an old man with filmy vulture eye, as the narrator calls it. The narrator emphasizes the careful calculation of the murder, attempting the perfect crime complete with dismembering and hiding the body under the floorboards. Ultimately, the narrator's feelings result in hearing a thumping sound, which the narrator interprets as the dead man's beating heart, and it pretty much drives him to insanity. Here's where the connections really intrigued me. So Edgar Allan Poe's father abandoned him when he was a baby, much like the Madden's dad. Whoa. It says that there was no written record of him ever again. He was an alcoholic and he just left the family. So it's like some really weird similarities to the Madden's father. Wow. And then Edgar Allan Poe also spent a lot of his early career in Baltimore and is actually buried there. That is kind of crazy. You know, Good Charlotte's from Maryland. So it's like did they feel this connection to Edgar Allan Poe somehow? Maryland. Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. 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 I heard that too, wow. Maryland. So, you think they wrote this as
1: a connection? Like, they felt like they were close to Edgar Allan Poe because of all these weird connections?
0: No, I think it might just be pure coincidence, but I just thought that was it kind could of be. weird. Interesting. The Baltimore Ravens are actually named for Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Tom. When we saw Good Charlotte live with Simple Plan and Relying K on the Noise of the World tour, Good Charlotte's stage, uh, like their setup was like a graveyard kind of. Oh, yeah. I and they had cemetery gates over the top of which said, "Nevermore," which is a famous line from the Raven. So, wow, I think these Mike. guys did have a fascination with Edgar Allan Poe. It might not be for the reasons that I was connecting there, but I think they
2: really did remember those uh,
0: similarities were pretty weird.
2: Remember Billy, the guitar player? Yeah. He was really into like that poetry, that that, you know, that those stories and everything and those authors. Remember Level 27 his clothing line? Yeah. Dude, another great brand. I think it was like from an Edgar Allan Poe, like I think it was from something like that, you know.
1: That was from like a horror poem?
2: Yeah, like some horror poem, you know, like hey, I think they like sought therapy through Edgar Allan Poe's like work and I think it inspired their songwriting. For sure.
1: Yeah. I could
0: definitely see that.
2: I think they wanted people to know that was like their little secret, like hidden inspiration there.
0: I mean, this is definitely the darkest song on the album and he did write some really dark stuff. So Yeah.
2: And I think that's one of the things that turned Eric Valentine onto the band as a producer was like your lyrics go much deeper than your contemporaries.
0: He was like, put my name in this song, please. Wow. (laughs) All right.
2: Hey, there well, you go. My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> That's a bloody song. All right, boys. Guess what's next? Here we go. Track number eight. Hold on. Suicide Prevention. Yeah. This music video is all about that. Yeah.
1: So this one was inspired by the topic of suicide.
2: And the guitar with the rain in the background and the intro and
1: it's so good. It just sets the mood.
2: Just hold on. Just don't give up yet. Just hold on. This was one of my favorites, man. I I, I could almost say this is up there with wondering.
1: Wow. That's big.
2: I remember learning this intro. Paul Nixon, shout up, my brother. This song was so good. Man, so so heavy. These songs really did mean so much, man. they had messages i know
1: well this one i feel like they go into a lot of dark issues obviously with their dad and my bloody valentine with murder and all that but hold on is like one that i think was most near to people our age not necessarily us but there were kids our age that were depressed i know yeah suicidal and they wrote this because fans had reached out to them about that and said you're the reason that I'm still here. Your music has got me oh. through this. So they said, okay, we need to comment on this
2: now. We Oh, for sure. I hope so. That would be so amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: That's definitely it. Writing for the fans. No wonder this record was a smash. Man, this was like, they let it all out with this one. They did, yeah.
1: Yeah, they really leaned into it here.
0: I watched this music video again today for the first time in years, and it was still really freaking sad. It's so
1: sad.
2: The parents of like...
0: Yeah, the... it's like yeah. parents, friends. It was actually... It included some people that tried to commit suicide and survived and they were like, it's one of those videos where they kind of talk in between parts of the song. Yeah. And it was still like, I got some chills.
1: I don't know if I'd say that I was ever really depressed at that age, but I mean, there were days that you would feel down and you could listen to this and be like, okay, I'm not the only one out there. I mean, that's pretty strong. Oh
0: yeah. Not alone. Yeah. Even if you weren't depressed or suicidal, it was cool to hear these guys that you really thought were like literally the coolest people in the world say hang in there it gets better everybody has shitty days
1: yeah
2: oh these were the soundtracks to our emotional roller coaster
0: this
1: was it oh yeah. those were crazy times going through puberty listen to this oh stuff? my god it <laughs> was it wild man <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of emotions kicking around
2: that was the cool thing to do to let people know how vulnerable you are
1: track number nine is riot girl
2: Let's hold on a second. We're about to get into Riot, girl.
1: Another one of your favorites, right? Man, I keep saying this is this is my favorite song. I know, but they're also good. <laughs> Let's check it out.
2: Most epic guitar riff intro. And then it just breaks down into the verse and it's like,
1: my girl.
2: What do you think, boys?
1: I mean, it's a fantastic song. Really what we should have had looking back, I think we should have had Tom learn all these songs and perform them. That should have been the episode. That would have been sick. Hey, we can do that. Can we do that?
2: Mike has to sing them with me, though. I'll play acoustic. It'll be like Glory Falls.
1: That
0: would actually be pretty sick. I'll sing them. You can play guitar and Keenan and I can harmonize.
1: Right, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I will say one thing. Mike is known for his good Charlotte harmonies. That's something that you were really good at.
0: Christina, what I want to meet her?
1: Wow,
2: those lyrics, man. I'm telling you. The Madden Brothers, incredible songwriters. They crushed it. They, like, are still writing pop smash hits to this day, I bet. Their name's all over stuff.
0: They definitely are.
2: She needs an attitude adjustment. Like, oh, man,
1: it's like... (laughs) Some of the best lines. I like bands that talk about girls as if they're not models and stuff. I like when they talk about girls that are pop punk princesses, like something corporate and All Star Weekend in their song, Hey Princess. Like, it's just a different way to look at women and relationships. Totally.
0: What do you think, Mike? They call out Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera on this song.
1: I never noticed that until I read the lyrics again today. Did you always notice that?
0: Yeah, Oh, I never really knew that. So when I first heard it, I thought it was saying Christina Aguilera was the riot girl. But then I realized that the riot girl doesn't want to meet Christina Aguilera and hates Britney Spears, so she better run for cover.
1: Yeah, right.
0: I put that together later on. Yeah, so they're pretty much saying they don't like your standard pretty girl, you know? They like the punk girls with uh, the eyeliner, same color hair as them.
1: The Avril Lavines of the world, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the best. Even punkier.
1: One line in this song, and everywhere we go, she gets us thrown out constantly. Tom. Yeah. What's your best thrown out of a bar story? Oh. Do you have one? I'm sure you have one. You're a freaking rock star.
2: Keenan. you prepared
1: for this. I like this. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. I'm not a rock star, by the way. Stop. <laughs> I'm still just a big old good Charlotte fan.
1: <laughs> that makes you a rock star.
2: I'm a very DIY art, independent artist selling the cds out the back of my car you guys still listen to cds i'm thinking about my bar story
0: by the way uh no i don't listen to cds i can't remember the last time i listened to a cd i
1: don't think i have something that can play a cd right now to be honest
0: my car but that's it
2: i still got the tahoe and all i listen to is cds in there
1: it's pretty awesome you still buy cds
2: no i don't even know where to buy a cd (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't either Alright, thrown out of a bar story Man, I don't, yep. I'm don't. i a pretty well-behaved kid I've always was well-behaved at Little Gwinn Mercy Academy And was well-behaved at St. Joe's Prep And I'm <laughs> well-behaved now But
1: There's gotta be a good one But um, Here we go
2: I think I was home in Philly and around the stadiums some years ago mm-hmm. And I was really fucked up And I went in and I started like Hitting on the bartender <laughs> And like <laughs> My other buddy was sitting next to me, and, like, there were a lot of people in there, and a couple people looked at me like, yo, like, that's his girlfriend. And I was just really drunk, and I just, I held my middle finger at him and just flipped him (laughs) off, and then I knew I was about to get kicked out, so I started, like, (laughs) walking over the door, and I just got shot. This guy jumped over the bar, just, like, took me out of there, but I, like, kind of was, like, running away from him. (laughs) <laughs> and I just like started so running into the parking lot. I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> You're lucky that all
0: I did was kick you out. But
2: I was real drunk, uh-huh. and I just was being a little pop punk, you know.
1: That's what it's all about, man. You're just causing a riot, like the riot. Yeah, run.
2: I was causing a riot, and I
0: knew, I knew I was. But yeah,
2: how about you, Keenan
1: Mike, you ever get thrown out
2: of a bar?
0: Uh, not for any exciting reason. I got Penn State? asked to leave because I fell asleep it was after a day of uh tailgating at penn state so it was like 16 hours of drinking yeah and then um we were at like the last bar it was like one in the morning and i just like pretty much just had my beer like dozing off and they're like <laughs> dude if you're gonna fall asleep you should probably go home I'm, like yeah you're right <laughs>
1: this ain't no place to sleep boy yeah the only one that i can think of right now is
2: <laughs> the eating club that
1: we got through now no. Did we get thrown out of the eating club at Princeton? I
2: think we had to cr- sneak out of one or crawl out of some bushes or something.
1: We snuck into one that one time.
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry.
1: Uh, we were seniors in high school, and we, like, were not allowed in. And, yeah, we, like, snuck through a bush. We had to crawl through, like, that side door. Man, were we seniors? But, yeah, we were. Wow. Yeah, we weren't in college yet.
2: We were partying like we were.
1: Yeah. No, the only thing I can think of is uh, – I won't get into too many specifics, but that one time somewhat recently where – it was after your show and I we met up at the bar. Oh yeah.
2: You I pretty much kicked you out of that bar.
1: You basically had to put me in an Uber and send me home because Yeah, I you was were good.
2: You were good though. You were just nice tipsy. and drunk.
1: <laughs> Keeping it together over here. Well behaved. Yeah. It's only when you're in town, I think, but yeah.
2: Man. I wish we all were at a bar right now. Anyways, back to the record. <laughs> all right, it's track number 10. Say anything with the coolest little funky little drumbeat intro. definitely a departure from the rest of the record this song you know it definitely takes yeah. you into a new little world but i agree with we'll that come yeah. right back with the day that i die but yeah say anything what do you guys think say anything huh <laughs> i don't really have much to say about this song when will you laugh again
4: laugh like you did back when we make 3 a.m and the neighbors would complain
2: Wait, no, I do like this song.
1: Yeah, it's actually a good song.
2: Acoustic guitar, baritone guitar. Wow, I know exactly what they played on this song now. Wow. Things will never change.
1: Can you listen to the song now and you're like, okay, oh, now I know these. Like, I can easily just pick up the guitar and do these chords right now. Not easily, but I know what they're
2: doing. I know the tricks behind the trade of this pop punk princess.
1: You get the gist. I like this song because... This is like one of the more emotional songs in the album that's just not about their dad. Like this is kind of a different concept. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. The course is actually pretty memorable. Yeah. It's a good one.
0: This is what? He wants to stay in this relationship and the girl is like over it, right?
1: Well, I think he's just realizing that they're going to break up. And I think he's kind of suggesting that he wants to stay with her, but it's clear that it's not going to work out.
0: I was thinking that Say Anything whether it's the movie or just the phrase, has a pretty prominent role in pop punk.
1: Yeah. The band, yeah. We
0: talked on Fall Out Boy. They allude to the the movie Say Anything in their song. Then the starting line does the music video. There's literally a band called Say Anything.
2: It's a hell of a fucking song title. Yeah. It is, yeah. doesn't get much better
0: than that. It's like desperation. Like, just say literally anything. Give me something.
4: Say anything, say anything.
0: The
1: one memory that does come to mind about this song is he talks about talking to girls on the phone and I was thinking back to middle school when we were listening to the song do you remember if you wanted to talk to a girl you had to first of all ask your parents if you could like use the house phone and then call their house phone and then like talk to their parents and be like hey Mr. So-and-so yeah I
2: was scared shitless of doing that
1: yeah <laughs> can I talk to your daughter I never did that if you got the wrong dad he was nope. gonna give you the third degree yeah.
2: Shout out to you if you had the confidence to do that, but I was—you never did that. No, I was so scared, man. I was embarrassed when like my mom would be like, "So and so is on the phone." I'm like, "Who the (laughs) hell is calling me?" (laughs) All the groupies. I I was like, I would turn bright red. I'd be like, "Oh, I wouldn't know what to say." Be afraid—they're listening. They could pick up another phone in the house and listen. You know, back then you can't get away with shit. And you know they did. Oh, you know they did. Yeah,
1: they had to. Yeah, or siblings, dude. Your sisters, Tom, were definitely listening in on your conversation. uh,
0: They still are, man. I'll tell you what. I think I only talked to girls literally about, like, homework. What homework did I miss? or You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I trusted them to actually tell me the right answer. Wow. <laughs> Sexist. I figured they were paying attention. So, it's like, we were studying. Like, what am like, what chapter did we have to study?
1: No, you're right. That was a, one of the reasons that you'd call girls to, like, ask for homework. But I remember Tubes and I in his basement calling, like, Ali Bono. And Monica Gennardi and Sam Rochino, all those girls. And we would, like, talk to them for hours on, like, a Friday night. Oh, they were our homegirls, man. We'd party with them.
0: Party chat line.
1: But before we could party in person, we just could party on the corded house phone. On the landlines, baby. Landline. Montgomery County. Track number 11, The Day That I Die.
4: the day that I die.
2: We're getting into, like, the filler songs of the record, you know? We had we the singles, are, yeah. and then we had, like, the second-tier bangers, and now we got, like, the labels. Like, all right, guys, you need, like,
1: four more songs yeah. that, like, are <laughs> decent. Twitter, but, like-
0: I forgot how many songs were at the end of this album. Like, I thought there was ten songs on this album.
1: Yeah, it's, like, a pretty long album. Yeah. I don't know. I think the only thing that's really memorable about this one is he talks about dying as if he's, like, ready for it. And at that age, you're like, how can this guy who's, like, 20-whatever upper teens, low 20s, be ready to die.
0: I kind of agree with you guys that the front end of this album is really loaded and the tail end is still decent songs, but this song actually does have some of my favorite lines on this album. Oh. Can I run run those down? Indulge us. Long conversations, we talked of old friends and all the things we did. Summer nights, drunken fights, mistakes we made, Do we live it right?
1: Whoa. Wow.
0: I love those lines. That's pretty good. And then, Keenan, what you were saying about, like, why is somebody so young talking about dying and, like, being happy about it?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I always thought of the line from Fight Club, it's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. Wow. So it's like, all the pressures of this world are now null and void because you're going to die.
1: So it's about, like, Mm -hmm. being ready. People can be okay with death when they're at that place in life, when they're just like,
0: I guess, and it wasn't, in my case, it isn't like when I'm 24, but I guess they probably just threw a song together. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I guess so, yeah.
0: I was thinking, would you want to know when you were going to die? That's what this song reminds me of, like, if you wake up knowing this is the day, would you want that, or do you want to just go and, like, not know?
1: I think I personally would like to know.
0: What? I think so, too. I think I would whether it's like next month or 50 years from now, I would want to know.
1: Tom, you disagree.
2: I mean, uh, yes and no. Yeah. I don't want to know. I'm more of like yeah. a, uh, spontaneous free spirited kind of guy.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Just need to plan everything out.
2: I feel like there's some things in life. We just don't need answers to.
0: Yeah. I need to get all my notebooks in order. <laughs> yeah. I see the argument from both sides.
2: Why do you guys want to know when you're going to die?
1: The funny thing about it is I feel like Mike and I want to know when we're going to die so that we can like be ready for it and do all the shit that we want to do up to that point. But yours is the same though. You're also like, I don't want to know when I'm going to die because I want to be like fluid and free and not have to care about it.
2: Not have to worry. I don't want to
0: worry.
1: We have different ideas, but I think our end goal is kind of the same. Like we just want to live life to the fullest up to that point.
0: One day at a time.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: You ever see that Nickelback music video where they have the clocks over their heads?
2: No. For what song? I do love Nickelback, though. Shout out to my, Nickelback's my boys, Nickelback. I think
0: it might be How You Remind Me. It's a clock that's counting down the moment somebody's going to die. Yikes. And um, like in the music video, I think Chad Kroger knocks a guy out of the path of a car and like their clock resets. Like cool. he saved their life or something.
1: Cool. So that's basically just this
0: song. Nickelback's the man.
1: <laughs> Nickelback is the man. I love that guy. <laughs>
2: Nickelback, Nickel Creek. They all great. All the nickels.
1: Nickel Creek, yeah.
2: Well, guys, I mean, we can't really say that the tail end of this album is just filler because we got the Young and the Hopeless title track.
1: Track 12 Young and the Hopeless. And it's-
2: Great song.
1: This one is my favorite song on the album.
2: Yeah. Say anything in the day that I die. Great songs, but.
1: They were a couple that you could skip through.
2: Yeah. They might have some of the best lyrics, but maybe not the catchiest hooks and melodies.
1: Yeah. And I think the Young and the Hopeless. Do you remember the intro for this one, Tom? The palm muted guitar? That
2: dropsy palm mute. Like, Yeah. I'm pretty sure Slipknot did the same thing. I mean, this band <laughs> was this band was teasing with metal here.
1: Yeah, they were ahead of Slipknot, I think. The pre course and chorus song is so catchy.
2: Yeah, I remember this was R.J. Lewis's favorite song off the record. Shout out to Ryan Lewis if he's listening, man. Bridge. I've been thinking about him talking about this record. I think he was he got obsessed with this record right when I did. I I want to say he might have showed me this record, but he was a big Good Charlotte fan.
0: Dude, R.J. was big into Good Charlotte. He had like a Good Charlotte lunchbox, a Good Charlotte patch on his backpack. Oh I remember yeah. That.
2: Yeah, he was a big fan, so we might have to check our facts. He might be like, "Yo, I told you guys about that band."
1: We should check in with him because Maybe I would.
2: Should. Can we video dial him in right now?
1: Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> do you know his uh, Zoom number? <laughs> Is that how that works? Hey guys. Beep, so, uh... boop, boop, boop. Oh hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> hey,
2: so we're talking about Young and the Hopeless. So random.
1: <laughs> would you mind just uh, opining real quick? That's pretty insane. If that's the case,
2: you hear those vocal harmonies. So good. Wow, I just picked up on those.
1: One of the things I was going to say is I think the three of us have always been suckers for like good melodies and good harmonies. And Good Charlotte is one of those bands that really perfected the pop punk harmony. And it was helpful that the two singers in the band were twins. So they had the exact same voice. Oh yeah. It can't get much better than that. Their harmonies were on point. They were incredible. Pop punk bands didn't always do that, but they did it really, really well. And I think in this song is when it's really good.
0: Yeah, they were masters of it. So this song is kind of just about feeling stagnant, right? Like you don't really know what you're doing with your life. You don't know is everything just the same day in and day out or are you actually making progress? Yeah, that's pretty yeah. relatable. For it was sure. It's a
1: very middle school theme. Like it was basically yeah. Simple Plan's whole theme too. It was like I'm not getting ahead, I'm stuck at home. Life is hard as a 12-year-old.
0: <laughs> I still feel that way though sometimes. Like you wake up and it's like <laughs> You feel like life is hard as a 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes okay. i wake up and i'm 12 no it's yeah. like what's changed in the past three years like obviously a yeah. lot if you actually look at it but like day to day sometimes doesn't feel like a lot's going on
1: i do hate going through those phases i think everybody does but you go through this phase where you're like man did i just waste like the last year of my life like have i gotten ahead
0: <laughs> it's like oh, really
1: man. depressing to think about actually yeah
2: i try not to think about it
1: it's yeah it's <laughs> it's best to just push those thoughts way deep in the back of your head
0: we'll address those that uh at a later date focus on yeah.
2: what is now pop punk project y'all
0: i do want to give the man and brothers props because i always thought this line was really cheesy the uh, no one in this industry understands the life i lead when i sing about my past it's not a gimmick not an act these critics and these trust fund kids try to tell me what punk is but when i see them on the street they got nothing to say Like, that's a lame line, but they actually did go through a ton of shit. Yeah, they did. Like, I was reading a Rolling Stone article with them from 2003, and after their dad left, they were working, like, countless jobs trying to pay their bills for their mom. Yeah. Their mom had lupus, and they were evicted from their apartment. They couldn't keep the lights on and the water running.
1: And didn't they have to help take care of younger siblings, too? Like, they were helping yeah. raise their their younger brother, younger sister, I think.
0: Yeah. I always thought, like, okay, whatever, dudes. But they actually did go through a ton of shit to get to where they eventually got to, which is pretty commendable. Yeah, that's true. So props to them. They're
2: fighters, man. They are tough, tough guys. They
1: are. Yeah, they are. You were talking about critics, Mike. I think that's kind of interesting. Tom, I got another question for you. What's up? What was a really hard critique or a really bad comment that you got from, I don't know, a critic or another artist or anybody? Like what was the hardest Um, thing to hear as a musician?
2: Man, nothing that I didn't already know about my music okay. and myself, which is, <laughs> I'm very brutally honest with myself. But you know, I mean, I've never really heard anyone say like don't like my music. But I, I think I may, I probably have, or they just didn't say it in front of me. But like, that's okay, you know. <laughs> you can't please everybody, you know. I don't like that's my true. music. I don't like any of it. But I'm just kidding. I like. I mean, I don't know. That's weird. But man, one time I actually recently a girl who's actually helping me like write some stuff for my new releases. She, um, wasn't afraid to tell me that she didn't feel anything when she heard my music. (laughs) Really? And that was actually something I had been struggling with at the time was like in, in in terms of making some new music, like how can I make people really feel what I'm saying? Like, you know, I've been in the studio recording And like the guys are like Well, we can't really feel like Like sing it like you mean it You know, like put the emotion yeah. into it We listen to these songs And you can feel the emotion Like coming out And it's a that's a really That's a really hard thing to do
1: Yeah, uh, no doubt So
2: she told me straight up She was like, yeah I like your songs But I don't really feel anything But she she's liking the new stuff A little better But I think it's good to have people Like tell you some shit That you don't want to hear Because yeah. it makes you better, man I was on the road with Sister Hazel uh, Like last summer, I think the summer before but um we were, i was playing a bunch of shows solo acoustic opening up for them and that was the first time where i was really putting myself in front of like a lot of people in a room that had never seen me before yeah and i had great reception overall like not to like toot my own horn but like it was really like a reassuring tour it was very i was re, i was confident in the music i was putting out i was confident in my stage performance but like i think the last show I think it was the last show. I was at the merch table and I had just like sold out of CDs and signed a bunch of stuff and like talked to some really nice people and made some fans. And this fucking vocal coach at some university comes up to me at the end and oh she no. goes you really just got to go for the notes. Like those notes that you're like trying to hit, like you really just got to go for them a little better, -uh. you know? And like other, everyone else like trying to like stick around, like talk about the show and stuff. And she was just like really laying into me, like trying to be all preachy. And her friend that was with her, another teacher was kind of like, okay, like let's go now and i was just kind of like i understand i gotta practice but like get the fuck out of the way i got people that want to buy t-shirts and hats and cds you know like i'm not i'm not a great singer but i'm working on it thank you very much i think she was just trying to give me constructive criticism but she was actually starting to offend me i mean i think the worst though i'll never forget when i think it was sister ann told me i didn't have talent or remember we were finished our woodchuck sound check yeah we were finishing, and I threw my slide on the ground, and she reaches down to pick it up, and she looks up, and she goes, yeah, I don't know why you... What, you call that talent? She, that's what she said, and that will always stick with oh me. Oh, my God. Because we were fucking talented.
1: Of course we were talented. We guys. had. So we talented. put
2: it all out. We left it all out on that stage.
1: That Sister Ann moment may have been the moment that inspired you to, to make this year To make music,
2: career. yeah. I think it still roused me up. Same with Dave Dixon. He gets, you know, amped up about it, too.
1: Well, I also hated how after Fat Lip, she... We had this whole like solo thing planned and she basically shut it down. She's like, Nope, you're done.
2: Oh, yeah. We had to bring the lyrics to them and stuff. Yeah, that was fun. It wild. makes it Catholic school, you know. But we were, our family's the one paying for it. Let us do what yeah, we want I on know. stage. Like, come on, that shit wasn't cheap.
0: If your toughest criticism was a nun, then yeah, yeah. a nun. You're uh, doing all right. Rest,
2: I hope she's, if she's still alive, I hope you're li- alive and thriving. But I just want you to know that I she am. She's
0: retired now.
2: I just want to let her know that Shep Rose thinks I'm talented <laughs> yeah. and he has a That's lot more followers on instagram than you do i'll never forget sister ann we just crushed woodchuck we absolutely crushed that song our sound guy killed it too and she didn't think that was talent i
0: literally think i was your sound guy for like one band practice <laughs> and then one show the skating ring party in which i just sat there <laughs> yeah
2: mike swooped in when we broke up and he started the side projects
0: was I the Yoko Ono of the Gummy Bear Warriors? <laughs> 100% yes. Hondo P. There's no doubt yeah. about that. I just wanted Tom all to myself.
1: Okay. Track number 13, Emotionless. <sighs> Another dad song. Hey, dad. Literally starts. Hey, dad. Writing
2: to you. <laughs>
4: hey, dad. Writing to you. Not to tell you that I still hate you just to ask you how you feel and how we fell apart, how this fell
2: apart. With that acoustic guitar, man, it was it was
1: a tear tracker, man. I was just really So sad.
2: I feel so bad for their dad. No, I don't.
1: I think what made this one sadder than the others was like the other ones, it's all about how they hate their dad and like sticking it to him, like, oh, we never needed you in the first place. This one is them kind of admitting that even though they know he's a horrible dude, they actually do miss him. And life's yeah. hard without him.
2: Yeah, it's tough. But I'm okay. I'm
4: okay. It's been a long, hard road without you by my side. Why weren't you there all the nights that we cried You broke my mother's heart, you broke your children for life It's not okay, but we're alright I remember the days you were a hero in my eyes But those are just a long lost memory of mine Now I'm writing just to let you know I'm still alive yeah, I'm still alive
0: Most of their songs are like angry, pissed off And the line when they said, this time I'll admit that I miss you, I miss you They kind of became like little kids again, you know? Yeah, So it's like they weren't these tough, rough and tumble punks. They were just like little kids that miss their dad. It's like how vulnerable they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow. Beautiful.
0: So they wrote the song because they said it's probably they would never really get to speak to their dad again. And it's like they wanted to just compose a letter to him. So that's what the song kind of was.
1: Yeah. It did read like a letter. It did sound like a letter. Like, oh, if he's out there, please listen to this.
0: Then I was thinking, wouldn't you feel weird if you were their dad and it's like, I don't know. Do you think he felt any remorse at all?
1: Doesn't sound like it.
0: That sucks, man. <sighs> he probably just wanted to get paid off. I can off. imagine doing that to Jack. Oh, that's a,
1: that's a dark thought. Isn't it wild that Mike has a son?
2: It's so crazy. I, I think about it, like, all the time whenever I see pics and stuff.
0: Yeah, if I ever actually stop and think about it for too long, i go crazy.
2: I'm like, oh my God, at least one of us is doing something, you know, with our life <laughs> yeah, something eyes. productive with our, uh,
1: uh, our you
0: know. Our with productive. our junk. I'm changing diapers. Mike, you killed it, man.
2: You're still killing it.
0: Yeah. I'm midway through killing it.
2: <laughs> you guys going to have a lot of babies?
0: Uh, I think the goal is between two and three. Nice. That's a good number. Two and a half, yeah.
1: kids. That's a nice number. <laughs> two <and> a half. <laughs> <laughs> Track number 14, Moving On. Pew, 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 pew.
2: We are moving on, y'all. Moving on. Last one. Oh, wait. This might be my favorite guitar riff on the record. Those pinch harmonics. It is pretty sick. Come on, that's some
1: heavy. It is a cool sound. This song is also cool because it's a song where they basically just yell words. Yeah.
0: I am so glad they ended the album with this song instead of Emotionless because they could have easily just been like, let's end it with our slow dad song. But like, this is such a killer way to end it.
4: Yeah,
1: you got to pump the kids back up. When
4: not everybody knows that everybody goes to a better place. And not everybody knows that everybody could be living their last days. But the heart.
0: But, like you were saying with yelling words, hope, truth, trust, faith, pride, love, lust, pain, that always reminded me of Kairos. Remember Kairos? Oh, was yeah. Like, oh yeah. Laugh, cry, live. <laughs> Wait, no, that's no, that's the song. This song. <laughs> Doubt, cry, trust, live. Yeah. When we were on Kairos, I'm like, this is like the good Charlotte song. It's just words. <laughs> yeah.
1: Doubt, cry, trust, live
2: yeah wow young and hopeless was like the soundtrack to kairos it's just like
1: it whoa it really was young and hopeless i never put that together it's like hating your family
2: i love how it's like the most depressing record in the last song is moving on i know <laughs> it's, like, it's like okay we're over it. all right we got it all out now let's move on <laughs> yeah. brighter days ahead
1: well i did find it funny that they named the last song moving on it was all about putting all this behind you and living life to the fullest and. We've talked about other artists that have done that, like All-American Rejects with the last song.
2: Oh, yeah. They made
1: that the last song of the album. Like bands do that a lot, which I find kind of intriguing. It was
2: so cliche, but it was cool. So cliche.
1: But it was a cool way to kind of bring it home.
2: You know, Good Charlotte got so much shit when they put this record out for these songs being too cliche. But think about it now. like We hear these pop songs that come out. We're like, oh, my God, that's so cliche. Like, And then it becomes the biggest smash hit yeah of course because you gotta cater it to the dumbasses of the world you know cliche
1: is what people want
2: yeah they like don't want it but they want it like baby you a song you make me wanna roll my windows like when I first heard that song I was like oh this is so cheesy and cliche but But, it's so good it was so
1: good yeah I love Florida Georgia Line
2: Well, Young and the Hopeless is a killer record. Definitely a big milestone in my adolescence.
1: This might be a leading question, but like I imagine this had to have had a big influence on your music career, your life, pretty much everything. But Oh yeah. How much of an impact did it have?
2: Such a big impact. I mean, man, like we all got that fire, that that fever for music and this whole thing. When this record came out, like some forty one, blink one eighty two, like those were the bands that like were
1: like, these guys are so freaking cool.
2: We just want to be like them.
1: And it made us feel like we needed to start a band just like that.
2: Yeah, and just like have our little cult. It's cool.
1: Yeah. And just have fun.
2: Dude, did you hear the screams in that video of us at the talent show? Like, i that was the loudest crowd response I think I've ever got, like from any show I've ever played. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, so high pitched. And the
1: one girl who screamed, I love you.
2: Yeah, I was like, holy shit, I've never actually got
1: that kind of response in like,
0: my <laughs> yeah. professional career.
1: So were you more famous then than you are now?
0: I think
2: so.
1: Yeah. That's okay.
0: Yeah, whatever. Would it be okay if I called your parents after the show and asked to speak with you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for uh, Tom
1: Mackle, please.
2: This album led to everything.
0: This album was huge. The more I think about it, the more it's like everything kind of leads back to this because...
2: If you're 29 years old, this album... Yeah, you're just a loser if you didn't love this album.
0: We all bonded over it for like years. And then it's like you go through a phase where you kind of get a little bit too cool for school. And you're like, oh, I don't listen to that stuff anymore. But then you go back to it and you're like, no, actually, this is still awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I will say beyond just like our little group of friends and beyond our clique, it's pretty clear that this album inspired a generation of just middle school kids. Everybody's listening to this. Everybody could feel the things that they were talking about in these songs. Like everybody had issues with family. Oh, yeah. Everybody felt down at times. Everyone,
2: you know, broke their skateboard and just really wanted to have a good cry.
1: Totally. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a good cry. I had one last night. It's fine. I'm okay.
2: Oh, man. We had it all, but we still were pissed
0: off.
1: (laughs) For sure. But yeah, this was a big album. And I think it shaped pop punk as a genre.
0: Oh, yeah. It is kind of funny that on Moving On, there's the line, I wonder if I will survive to live to see 25, or will I just fall? And I was just thinking, it's funny that there's this arbitrary age where you think you're actually going to know what the fuck's going on in your life, and then it's like, that never happens. Never happens. Nope. It's like, maybe when I'm 25, things will start to make sense. Like, nope. I'm 35 now.
2: What's going on, y'all?
0: <laughs> I'm convinced 80-year-olds are just, like, rocking in their on their front porches being like, the fuck just happened yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we're on our way
2: just the old and the hopeless <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well good record it's the reason why i am still chasing a dream in music
1: Once again, super pumped that you came on, Tom. Obviously, we knew it was a no-brainer. You were going to have to come on this episode and talk about Good Charlotte with us. It was just obvious.
2: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Hopefully, this isn't the last time. I hope not either. I want to be on next week. I want to be on every week. (laughs) I could stay up all night doing this.
1: Third host for the Pop Punk Project. I'm really
2: when I saw the Pop Punk Project on Instagram and all the marketing and the and the merch, the super extensive <laughs> merch line on your website. By the way, do you actually have all that merch?
0: Order it and find out, dude. Yeah,
2: that's an, is it. One <laughs> of the if you yeah you gotta order it
0: for then you guys go and we'll place the order. I see Yeah. That okay.
1: Yeah, it's actually not terrible, but but what I am curious about Tom is with all the quarantine stuff that's going on. What is performing like now, like I know that you were doing a lot of virtual stuff on Instagram, you're on Facebook live. It seems like now you're doing a lot more outside shows, yeah, what does it look like these days? man, it's
2: you know live music, I think it's still pretty shut down, like all over the country world, yeah, you know um, but down south, um, I think the outdoor shows are starting to. Kind of happens, socially distanced, outdoor shows, you know, low capacities, spread out tables, masks and all that stuff. So they're finding ways to kind of still give musicians and artists work and give venues some business. So outdoor stuff, breweries, brew pubs, beach bars. um, There's some drive-in shows happening, you know, pull your car up and there's big stages and stuff and you get a plot. So, you know, we're adapting to COVID-19 finally, the music industry, but man, it still just sucks.
0: It is kind of nice you guys have more temperate weather further into the year, you know? Yeah. I
2: don't know what we're going to do this winter, but man, we'll see. See what happens. Hang in there. Next year, hopefully, we'll be back, but geez.
0: Are you working on anything right now with that uh, Yeah, your co-writer that's proving her worth by telling you that you suck? (laughs) Yeah,
2: Um, yeah, she's not a co-writer. She's just that friend that tells you you suck and then you, never you, need, that about sometimes, it. you need that friend you need
0: you need that friend yeah so what are you working on right now
2: i'm working on some singles so i have like 5 new songs fully recorded mastered we're working on the videos to go with them and nice. all of the bios the pitches the photos the all the press release materials so we're getting that all together i'm going to try and make a big splash with my next single so hopefully pop pong project will help me Get it out
1: there. Launch it, baby. If the people want to find your music, where can they find it?
2: They can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, um, wherever you listen to music. It's there. It's
0: there. Tommackle.com too.
2: Tommackle.com. You can check it out there. Some videos, too.
0: I need a Tom trucker hat.
2: What's left of my old merch line is at my website, so go get it. Tommackle.com. Anyway, super proud of you guys.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. It's been a blast. Pop Punk
2: Project is killer. I'm inspired. I'm honored to be on this show. And it seems like you guys are really uh, shooting for the stars.
1: Thanks again for listening. That was episode 10. Already 10 in the books of the Pop Punk Project. Next week, we'll be discussing Jimmy World's
0: album, Bleed American. Check us out online. Get in touch. Send us an email poppunkproject@gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at pop punk project, and patreon.com/pop punk project.
1: Thanks again for listening. We hope you had the time of your lives. Good riddance. <laughs> Was that good? Pop punk project. Pew pew pew.